Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to tonight's edition of Students for a Better Future Radio. I'm your host, Doreen Finkel, with Luther Mays and Ruben Torres, and we are live. And I want to welcome everybody to tonight's edition of Students for a Better Future Radio. Um, we have lots to talk about tonight, um, but before we get into it, I want to mention that the show is sponsored by the 501c3 nonprofit, studentsforabetterfuture.com, and uh, we'd like you to go to the website, check it out. We have um, internships on there, and you can read through them. If you have a youngster in between the ages of, I believe it's 18, 25, and 25, attending a two- and four-year university, you can check it out and see if there's an internship that um, you are into. Um, and also check out our upcoming events that we have listed on the front page. Uh, and before we get uh, bring on our guest, uh, I want to mention something that's going on particularly with the Trump campaign and um, we have noticed that uh, the Trump campaign basically if he wants to win the election he's going to need to pivot and Ruben I know you want to elaborate on that so go ahead well um, he needs to step up and focus on the issues that that are important to American to the American people uh, that's number one. Number two, he needs to also step up and, 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 and I mean, continue to attack um, Hillary because we need to expose her as much as we can before the election. So those are, those are two critical points that the Trump campaign and, and, and I know uh, Donald needs to, to, to have a, a 
really firm understanding of what is at stake. He could be the next president of the United States, but he needs to take these steps. And third, I would recommend uh, that that he, they need to really start focusing on the, the day of the election. They need to have as many people in different poll centers or poll sites uh, where they're going to have to make sure that the Democrats do not cheat on this election, just like they did four years ago. So I think those are the things that, that um, the Trump campaign and Donald Trump need to, need to um, focus on. Uh, Ruben, let me ask you, is the campaign telling him to do that and he's just not doing it because I think he has a sense of think I think he has some really, really top-notch uh, uh, advisors. I mean, Steve Moore who's his economic advisor, is, is, is really someone that, that, that I, I, I highly respect as, a, uh, as an economist. Uh, Mike Pence, as a governor, you know, he, he's a sound man, a sound believer in, in sound economics. He, he's been a great governor for the state of the Indiana. So I think, you know, Donald ha- likes to do it his own way. But, you know, th- this, this, there's something really huge at stake that's being becoming the next president of the United States, and, and he needs to really focus and, and, be con- and concentrate on what he needs to do tomorrow, which is going to be the debate in, in, in Vegas, um, and, and really um, show the American people that he's ready, that he has a temperament, that he has the understanding, that he can articulate uh, economic, uh, economic points, political points, uh, you know, all different subjects, he needs to really bat 110%. Because, you know, now, Hillary, could, Hillary, yeah. could do, Hillary could just do 50%, and, and at the end of the night, she's going to be uh, basically, the, the media is going to uh, basically say that she, she, she just kicked really some real, real butt, which she did, which she, she has not. She has not impressed me during these debates, but the media is on her side. That's right. And you see, CNN has very little coverage of the WikiLeaks. In fact, almost most of the day was these, what I call these staged um, things of women coming out talking against Donald Trump. You know, in which, on that issue, what I want to say to this is where were all these women? when the incident happened, okay, what did they do? Were they raped eight years ago and they forgot about it and never did anything? No, okay? So you have to question their credibility. And um, so and you have to understand that it could be a media tactic going on here. Um, so, but let's, uh, I want to bring on our guest tonight. Um, he is author of the book, Everything You Have, The Case Against Welfare, and also another book called Lock in America. And he's going to bring a perspective um, and discuss the economic policies of Donald Trump. His name is Dr. Jerome Heiler. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for inviting me on. Uh, Let me uh, me just add one thing to Ruben. A fourth Thing, and I, I agree with his uh, analysis. A fourth thing that Donald Trump has got to concentrate on is what they call a ground game. The day of the election, 
the Democrats have uh, a very good ground game going. In other words, they know how to find the people who will vote for the Democrat ticket and find a way to get those people to the polls. Uh, they, uh, Obama was very successful with that, far more successful than Romney um, uh, four years ago. And, uh, uh, now, and, Doc, I want to ask you, does he have a ground game? Because I talked to Tea Party leaders, um, including one that I'm close to, Dr. Alfred, and they said they don't know if he has a ground game. Uh, nobody, uh, I have heard nobody who uh, describes their ground game or lays it out. And there are a couple of problems. One big problem is that because he has created a rift with the Republican parties being at war with Paul Ryan, uh, and, and because so much of the Republican Party supports, quote, the establishment, unquote, and feel uh, Donald Trump uh, is a threat to the cozy politics and the cronyism and everything, the Republicans, who would normally, in all of the states, put out a ground game to get votes, they are not so enthusiastic. In Trump's a favor, I would say the 10, 20, 30,000 wildly enthusiastic people, Americans who show up at his events, his stadium-sized events. This is um, the stuff of which a great ground game can be built if there are people training. In other words, what Trump should have been doing, I don't know that he has or hasn't done this, but he should be getting names of the people who are attending his rallies, show them where to come a week before the election, five days before the election, and get instructions on how to reach people in their communities all over the country and get them to the polls, people who are shut in, people in nursing homes, get them to the polls to vote the Trump-Pence ticket. I don't know if that's going on, but that would be a tremendous feather in his cap if he would organize such a thing. Um, as enthusiastic as Trump's supporters are, if they don't know the nuts and bolts of bringing a ground game to Election Day, they can't be as effective as they need to be. So these, these are all question marks, Doreen. Uh, I, I, don't know the, uh, I don't know how well prepared. <laughs> okay. So there's no there's no central group like the Republicans organizing any ground game. Well, none that well, has, that's what everybody's saying to me. Right. Well, I I, I think. Go ahead, Ruben. Jerome, uh, I, I I totally agree, and I and I and I missed the boat on on the, on your fourth point. Excellent analysis. Uh, I believe that the Republican National Committee, we reached previous, uh, will 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 basically. Do a lot of the uh, groundwork for uh, ground attacks for for Donald Trump. My concern my concern is that he has followed the same philosophy that he did during the primaries, basically having all these big big rallies and and, and really not focusing on on the ground uh, attack uh, ground game. It's going to be different because the Democrats do have a ground game. And, and and they're going they're going to be buzzing people. I mean, it happened. I, I think with last night. I, I I mentioned in Wisconsin before four uh, four years ago when Barack Obama went against Mitt Romney. I have friends in in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, and they told me that a whole bunch of buses were uh, they bus in people from 
Illinois, from Chicago, to to stay in Wisconsin for one or two weeks because you can you can file and 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 um, and be able to vote in that state up to the last day. Right. And that's what they did. They basically brought all these people, and they voted, and they almost won. The Democrats almost won in a district in an area that is predominantly conservative Republicans. So the ground game from the Democrats will be there. The cheating will be there. He has to be, you know, his people and, and Donald Trump has have to have pour a lot of money into having people watch what's going on practically in every part of the country. And, and that as well, um, to check identifications. There are more than 1.1 million deceased Americans whose names are still on um, ballots uh, around the country. Uh, have you, um, Ruben, Doreen, have you been following the um, the Veritas revelations that come, came out today, James O'Keefe, in, in uh, undercover yes. investigation? Uh, yes. That yes. is exactly yes. what you're referring yes. to, Ruben, that, that they actually boast to James O'Keefe's undercover operatives um, uh, boast about uh, getting buses to bring people across state lines to vote multiple times, and yes. they even they even honed their plan so that if too much attention is drawn to the buses, they will use rental cars uh, yes. and, and and break up the numbers of people who are driving they are driving across state lines to vote multiple times. Um, it's why Donald Trump now is talking about the election being rigged before the election takes place, and that is a very damning um, uh, indictment of what is going on in electoral politics in this country. And uh, in the coming days, uh, by the weekend, we're going to e- either verify or falsify the report that James O'Keefe released. Uh, and it, if yes. it is verified... There's trouble. There's a there's a problem. Well, yes. Well, James, and actually, I, 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 um, hold I, I, on, Ruben. Yeah, Ruben, we have a copy of that here. Um, yeah. Uh, he actually sent it to me. Um, it is 16 minutes long. Uh, maybe, um, and he also did a video on it. Uh, maybe I can play it at the end of our episode. Yeah, and, 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 and people who don't really know James O'Keefe. James O'Keefe is a very credible, credible person. Uh, he has done oh, yes. great work. Yeah, and I, I personally have met him, and uh, I, as a matter of fact, I, I, I've spoken to him on, on, the, on various occasions, and his work is, is, is credible. I mean, he tells it like it is. Now, now there is also uh, yeah. the piling on that Assange with WikiLeaks releasing about 1,000 emails a day that are also revealing a lot of the corruption that's taking place, a lot of the collusion between the media, the White House, um, the FBI, even. And the State Department. And yeah, the, State, the Department State Department and Hillary Clinton. So uh, there could be revelations that really, and they're just adding up, they're accumulating uh, for almost a week now. Friday will be a week. Uh, that could be. Snowden hasn't chimed in with what he might have. And I am uh, uh, hoping that Snowden or even the Russians would reveal one classified or top-secret email that came directly from 
uh, Hillary Clinton server. In other words, she has been boasting that there is no evidence that her email server was hacked by anybody. One classified email that is released that came from her server directly, will that may be enough to sink her if that gets um, circulated uh, sufficiently. Uh, but it won't. It's still in the co- it's, well, uh, 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 I heard a point today uh, on the radio that is very interesting, and that is that we are coming to a point where social media may be more influential in affecting public opinion than the mainstream media. That the numbers, the, the, the millions of, of tweets, the millions of Facebook posts that are going out are so informing the American public that they don't have to watch CNBC or CNN yeah. or Ru- ABS. Yeah, Ruben, he, he means people like us, Ruben. Uh, it, it, right. And it's all, uh, it's all over the country, uh, and it's people getting such social media messages and repeating them to their families, to their friends, and so forth. It's not going to change the liberals or anything, but those people who are undecided, who will very well determine the outcome of the election, they could be influenced by social media, and that is to the good, given where we stand with the mainstream media. Well... It's true. I, I just I, I do some work for um, AFP, Americans for Prosperity, which is a, a national organization, and I was I, I was making some phone call, uh, phone calls this past weekend, and a lot of a lot of people that have not really tuned into the mainstream media were getting messages were getting messages about Donald Trump from the alternative media. That they were beginning to uh, to realize that right. they were not here, and 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 I found this so interesting because when I spoke to them, they really felt like, wow, I didn't know this about Donald Trump. I didn't know this about Donald Trump. And of course, you you're not going to hear the the good things because the media, the left wing me- media, is for Hillary. It's obviously totally in the tank. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that is yeah. something to encourage us uh, now. Um, I think from, and I'm not a pollster by any stretch. My Ph.D. is in political science, but not that end of it. But um, what the pollsters seem to be saying, even the Fox News pollsters, uh, is that it's going to be up to the women's vote. Uh, um, he doesn't have the Republican backing that Romney had. Romney was at 93% of Republicans voting for him. Donald Trump is only at 80%. But there are so many women who have been turned off by his comments that that is what he has to shore up. The gender gap is approximately 20%. 20% more women in the country are going to vote for Hillary than will vote for uh, Donald Trump. And uh, if he can make inroads... In the women's vote, and their their concerns are as great as anyone else's in terms of national security, the uh, war on terrorism, and such. Uh, then, then it's really a ball game. Then it's then it's a ball game. It's so, going to be so, tight. So, right. So, okay. So he needs to um, get the message out to them, saying that national security um, is important, especially you know 
women with children. Exactly. Getting, okay. getting their kids out of the basement and into the working world, uh, creating the opportunity that this country has always offered uh, all its citizens and all comers, and to restore that, which is what his program can do, and Hillary's program will only drag us economically into the sewer and lower than that. Uh, well, Doc, I, let I, me I, ask I, you. I, I, uh, go ahead, Ruben. I'll let you get this one. I, 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 real, real quick, I, I have to say that even though the women's vote is important, and I'm not discounting the women's vote because uh, I know how significant it is, but one of the things that I think is going to hurt uh, Hillary, as long as the Democrats are not cheating, is that a lot of the voters, the Bernie Sanders, the Democrats that have gone to the Libertarian Party that are going to vote for Gary Johnson is going to even it, even it out or even or, or probably come close. And that did not um, happen four uh, years yeah. ago. That did not happen four years uh, ago. Four years ago it was Obama and Romney. This time we have at least Gary Johnson, who's probably going to get about 10 to 12% of the vote, that could be that that could be that could offset offset the women's vote to a certain to a certain degree. What do you think? Uh, uh, I, uh, ahead, uh, I I I don't know. Um, uh, I don't know where Gary Johnson's votes will come from. What percentage of it will come will come from disaffected Bernie Sanders voters? What percentage will come from disaffected Donald Trump voters who don't Trump who don't trust uh, Donald Trump to lead the country? Um, so I, I don't know. To me, it's um, it's an open question, yeah. uh, and uh, I have and no folks, way of. Uh, I want to mention on Thursday we have on uh, Judge Reed Chambers, um, who will be explaining all of this, and especially with the polls. Uh, he, he that is where his expertise in. So if you tune in 9 p.m. Thursday. Um, Judge Reed Chambers will be on, and then all these polls questions you can ask him. Um, yeah, because it seems to be a lot of disparity, and nobody knows what's going to happen on election day right now. Right. You know. Um, but but anyhow, Doc, let's go to you for a second. Uh, I want you to talk about Trump's economic policies and how they will shape uh, shape our economy presuming he's president in the next four years? Uh, well, um, if you believe Steve Moore, who I happen to respect a lot also, I don't know exactly why he left the Heritage Foundation. He was a chief economist. Uh, he moved on um, to Americans. Well, I forgot what the organization he's with now. But uh, I, I certainly respect Steve Moore, and I respect Larry Kudlow as well. And both Moore and Kudlow were chief economic advisors for Donald Trump. Now, he has a tax reduction plan that's pretty significant. He wants to bring the corporate income tax down from where it is now at 35%, the highest in the industrial world, down to 15%. Um, that's, that, that is pretty significant. Uh, he's going to cut taxes, income taxes as well, um, and make the whole process of filling out taxes a lot simpler. Um, now, why I question this is because um, the Steve Moore, Larry Kudlow thesis, and Art Laffer thesis, supply-side thesis, is that these tax cuts will grow the economy substantially. 
it will reinvigorate the incentive for uh, people to start new companies, to build their companies. They now have a reason to do so. The tax is being reduced. Also, repatriating well over $2 trillion that is overseas that can't come back here because of the tax burden on, uh, on that money. And he wants to uh, dramatically lower the taxes that they will have to pay, I think, to 10%, and that will bring money here. Um, so all of that, tax, t- taxes are a horrendous drag on any economy. So reducing taxes to that extent uh, will bolster economic growth, spread opportunity, create new jobs. Uh, however, that means the government will initially be getting far less revenue than they would otherwise get uh, while this adjustment period is taking place. Now, Donald Trump wants to rebuild the military, so that is enormous spending that will take place to do that. Uh, he has other spending plans, especially his uh, child care uh, uh, plan that, Ivan- that his uh, daughter Ivanka uh, was so, so encouraged him to pursue. My point is that he has a, an enormous amount of new spending that's taking place while he's cutting taxes. What will that do to the deficits? Um, there are economists well, that are expecting uh, a 10-year uh, accumulated debt, uh, well over 10 to $15 trillion as a result of these policies while we're waiting for the economy to rebound and tax revenues to improve because of the lower taxes. That is, well, that is where I believe um, that... Tax reduction is vital. It's important. But unless it's accompanied by dramatic cuts in public spending, in federal spending, we can be in a lot of trouble. Because think of it. The uh, government takes in less revenue from taxes. It gets higher budget deficits as a result. Well, how does it cover those deficits? It has to borrow money. Well, borrowing money from banks, financial institutions is just as deleterious to the growth of an economy as taxes are because it's removing capital from the private sector, using that capital to finance public sector spending, uh, and so there's no net gain uh, as deficits go up, first of all. Second of all, I think it is problematical to rely on tax cuts because we don't know what's going to happen to the economy. We don't know if there is another bubble that is ready to burst, like the housing bubble of 2008. We don't know if there's going to be, if the Federal Reserve starts boosting interest rates rather than the the 0.25% that it is loaning money to banks now. Once the Fed starts boosting rates, and Janet Yellen at the Fed, she's been trying to do that, but every time she even sneezes about boosting the uh, federal funds rate, the stock market tanks. And so if she raises it to three-quarters of a percent, one percent, this might create havoc in the financial markets, in the stock market. People all of a sudden feel much poorer because their portfolios are going south. They do less spending, and the economy tanks, despite the reduction of corporate taxes and such. So there are so many unknowns 
that, in my view, it is not at all sufficient simply to concentrate on tax reduction. Well, there has to be, uh, has to be a commensurate reduction of public spending, and that is the debate that I believe this nation has to engage as, as soon as possible. In other words, to ask fundamental questions like the founders did. What is government for? What must government do for us? And what must we be expected and allowed to do for ourselves? These, these are the questions on which, in my view, the future depends and the opportunities that will exist for today's students. Uh, Go ahead, Ruben. Uh, yeah. I, I totally agree, but I, I need to add a couple of things in regards to uh, Donald's um, economic uh, plan. He also wants to reduce, well, currently we have uh, uh, seven brackets for taxpayers. He, mm -hmm. wants to reduce it all, he wants to reduce it to three brackets. That's correct. Mm -hmm. he, he also wants to... Uh, Get rid of the uh, the state tax. I mean the uh, the the death de de tax. Right. You know when you when you when you when people uh, die and they want to leave, you know, some money or some properties, you know. Well, they wanna uh, it's worse than that. The estate tax. The way it works is, let's say um, uh, we have a family farm, and the, we uh, we uh, our farm uh, is worth. $23 million. It is a very large family farm. If the person who started that farm dies, the estate now has to pay taxes, the estate tax on that, and they have to sell the farm just to meet the taxes because they are not cash rich. They may be land rich. That's what the farm is worth, but they have to sell it. They have to give up their family's lifelong uh, uh, avocation to be farmers uh, in order just to pay the IRS, the estate tax they get. And this happens with companies, with factories, with farms all over the country. So um, it, it would offer tremendous relief to those right. families who face um, uh, that horrible decision. Uh, but, I, uh, again, I don't think that's going to be sufficient to revive the economy in any, no, no. any substantial way. Not with a, not with a, 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 a we'll, we will shortly have a $20 trillion accumulated public debt. The public debt right. already is rising by, well, $619 billion this fiscal year that we're adding to that accumulated $19.5 trillion de deficit. And with that going on, again, there is, you know, it's like any family. If a family is that far in debt, one illness where one of the breadwinners can't go to work and loses the check for three weeks or two months, and they're in bankruptcy. It's the difference between uh, treading water and going under. And any shock like that to our system while we are tinkering with the tax code could right. cause the whole nation to go under economically. No, no, and I understand, and I understand, and I understand what you're saying in regards to the tax alone will not do the job, but because we need to create jobs, we need to build, rebuild our infrastructure, bridges, tunnels. You know, there has to be. You know, this eight years ago, uh, Obama and, and the Democrats wanted to do this shovel-ready jobs, which yep. never happened. Uh, yep. That's what he needs to focus on. 
We need. There's a lot of money. There's a lot of money. There's a lot of jobs that can be created by rebuilding the infrastructure of the United States of America. Okay, but now we're rebuilding the infrastructure, and a lot of it needs rebuilding. Fine, and we are rebuilding our military, and that desperately needs to rebuild. Be rebuilt, in my view. But again, consider the additional spending that has to take place for that. While we're lowering interest, and for the short run, certainly, we're acquiring less revenue, which means we are creating even greater budget deficits. Okay. Yeah, Ruben, hold that. Ruben, I, I just want to uh, ask you, too. Um, in New Jersey, we just have this thing now, what's a 23-cent gas tax yep. that was pushed upon us? Okay. And um, it was due because they said the roads need repairs. Uh, now, that's what I was told, okay? Um, so my question is, how come they didn't budget for the for this out of our other taxes? And, you know, if and when the roads do get repaired, do they repeal this 23-cent gas tax? I would say no. Uh, yeah, so, uh, well, you know, uh, uh, we all know you can't trust a politician with anybody's money. Um, we trusted Obama with um, the money to rebuild the infrastructure, shovel-ready jobs, as you say, Ruben, and none of that came about. Now, I understand in New Jersey that, uh, and also the money goes not to rebuild, just to rebuild roads, but to rebuild the railroads, to uh, the railroad infrastructure. Now, the thing is, um, uh, um, Christie was arguing that because gas prices are so low and the tax on gas was so low, they were, the state did not raise enough revenue to maintain its infrastructure. And yet I found out that New Jersey has the highest toll revenue of any state in the country. In other words, maybe the gas taxes were low, but all the tolls you pay every 15 miles uh, on, uh, uh, on, on the highways um, the Garden State Parkway, all the highways, that brings in tons of money. The whole thing is the money gets diverted to welfare programs. The money gets diverted to uh, uh, other services that New Amen Jersey that. is furnishing, and there's no money left for that, and plus the enormous waste of public sector jobs in the transportation area and every, uh, every other area, uh, and the huge pension expense that New Jersey has for its teachers and its uh, employees, uh, and so many other states. By the way, that is another uh, right. great grave danger, right. the, the, the pension obligations of so many states and so many cities around the country. Any downturn in the economy, and literally states and cities uh, will not be able to fund their own pension obligations. And if the Farm. federal government has to bail a couple of states out, like it just did to Puerto Rico, uh, like it already yeah. did to Detroit, and if a couple yeah. of other major cities go bankrupt Can I again, say something? Kablooey. Go ahead, Luther. Go ahead. In the state of Michigan, they've, in the state of Michigan, in the last three years, they've raised the taxes to repair these roads. These roads got holes in them. Uh, they, they, you, you give them the money, and the money goes somewhere else, like you said, welfare or wherever else. Yeah. Just the cider is not. He's taking his money, and he's, and he's going somewhere else mm-hmm. um, on, uh, on creating jobs. 
well, I think we used to give uh, corporations tax breaks. If you give these corporations tax breaks, you might bring some of these jobs home. Um, yeah, but again, my fundamental um, uh, reply is that you're not dealing in fundamentals. Um, taxation is not fundamental. What's fundamental is the amount of underlying spending uh, federal and state uh, agencies are doing the runaway levels of spending. And my answer is there is no safe way to pay for a runaway welfare state, uh, especially with so many immigrants coming in, eligible for all the social services American citizens are. So I believe, uh, and, and Doreen, that is, uh, that is the main point, as you see from my writing. Uh, that that's right. Taxes, that's New Jersey. We're a big welfare state here. Yeah, of course. Uh, um, as, as is New York, as is Massachusetts, as, as is the whole country. Um, that is why it is so important that Hillary Clinton not be the next president of the United States, because after she finishes bringing in um, tens of thousands of more immigrants and Syrian refugees and refugees of who knows what future Middle East conflicts, and she gives these immigrants and these refugees all the rights of citizenship, including voting rights and including welfare rights, there's no way of recovering from that. And there's no way for a Republican to ever win another national election uh, once you create such a large voting block of welfare recipients. And her immigration, um, a comprehensive immigration plan, together with her um, open borders across the entire hemisphere, um, promise that she made uh, when she was in Brazil, I believe. Um, these are dastardly and incredibly dangerous uh, policy prescriptions for the country. That's the run of all the slavery. Uh, well, I, 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 want, I wanted to go back to, Jerome, what, what you had mentioned in regards to growing the economy and in regards to the Fed, the Fed raising the interest rate. Uh, I, have, I have a question for you. I, it isn't the LIBOR, the London Interchange Banking Rate, mm-hmm. more important, in, as far as I understand, that has a, a more critical aspect on a global basis than the Fed raising the, the short or, or long-term interest rate. Um, frankly, uh, I don't feel comfortable speaking to that. I right. am doubtful, maybe on, on a global scale, um, the LIBOR index um, right. and, and movements of, of, of money uh, um, uh, values and everything on a global right. scale, but uh, on a national scale here in this country, what the Federal Reserve does, especially moving from zero interest rates to three-quarters of a percent or one percent, because don't forget, once um, the Fed does begin raising rates, um, then every state, every municipality, and the federal government has to offer higher interest rates on the bonds that finance its deficits, its annual deficits. And all yep. of a sudden, there are no states that can afford um, to float treasury bonds or, or state state bonds 
uh, or the federal government floating treasury bonds and treasury notes and treasury bills with a higher interest rate because that just blows our budget deficits right out of the water. Any 1% increase in rates increases by billions of dollars the interest that uh, a government has to pay in order to sell its bonds. Right now, the federal government is spending between 220 and 240 billion dollars just to retire the annual interest on the accumulated 19.5 trillion dollar um, uh, public debt. 220 to 240 billion dollars a year, and all that does is take care of the interest. If interest rates go up just a little, well, what if our interest payments wind up being 50% of what our entire national defense budget is? Right now, it's a third. Uh, right. Interest on the debt is one-third of what our total national defense budget is. Uh, if it becomes one-half, again, there's not enough money in the whole country to continue financing that. And when that is learned... Everyone will run to gold. Everyone will run to exchange dollars for whatever other currency in the world uh, has a, a better store of value, and I don't know that there's any country that does. But these are some kind of complicated problems. But, Ruben, well, as, as to your claim, um, I am in no, no position to say that the LIBOR index is even more significant than the federal funds. I, I doubt it. But I also I, I don't know I don't know the analysis you're, you're well, uh, alluding to. Well, what I do know is that the LIBOR does impact the uh, the adjustable rate mortgages. It, 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 it impacts the bond index. Yeah, the, the strength or weakness of the dollar. That's very important. Right now, because and, 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 and the whole ahead. situation in, in Europe in Europe with the euro, right. right, and and you know the UK leaving uh, the euro euro. I mean, uh, a lot of the banks in Europe are in trouble. I mean, I was in I was in Holland and Switzerland in May of this year, and there's there's a lot of tension, uh, a lot of concerns, especially even in Switzerland, which is not, they're not even part of the euro, right? Uh, or right, the dollar. Right. And, and it's far worse in Greece, Italy, and Spain, and Portugal. Exactly. Exactly. Um, uh, so, yeah, but that is something that, um, and, and that, to my understanding, is exactly what's keeping the dollar as strong as it is, not because yeah. our economy is, is, is uh, people have confidence in our economy, but every other economy in the world is in so much worse shape. Correct. Yeah. Um, wow. Wow. So, so uh, you know, my whole thing is, um I'm very saddened that we're going to leave this to our kids. That's where my heart lies, you know, because they deserve better. Right. And, you know, um, Je Jefferson, Thomas Jefferson had a wonderful phrase. He said, the earth belongs in usufruct to the living. The earth belongs to the living. What he meant by that is we have no business and no right leaving our debts to our children, to the next generation. That, that is wholesale yeah, theft on a generational scale. Amen to my cousin on that one. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I, I, I really feel sorry for them, and that's why we have this project here. 
you know, because I, I feel like, you, you know, uh, see, when, when I was growing up, I, I always knew something was wrong, but I never did anything about it mm. until, of course, 2008. And, you know, when I once I, I was with the Tea Party and then I really learned. And plus, I'm an education major, you know, and, and um, so now I put together the 501c3, you know, right. and we're out there talking to these kids. And, you know, and, and um, so they understand, you know, what I want them to understand is what's in store for them for the future right now. Uh, Doreen, there is no such thing as a project more important than the one you, are, you have embarked on. There is no such thing as anything anybody can do that is more important than what, what, you're, what you're just describing because that's who's going to pay the price. Life in this country is going to get very harsher, very darker uh, if the current course is not reversed. And we'll get out of here alive. History does move slowly, except if there's a, a major crash of panic, which is also possible. But it is the children, it is the grandchildren, it is future generations whose futures we are foreclosing. And we are, we are creating uh, all the problems that they will have to confront. And the education that you are trying to spread is not being spread in our public school system, not even our colleges, not even where I taught at Seton Hall, where I was clearly a minority voice um, uh, uh, in New Jersey. Um, so there is nothing more important than to spread the word and to educate as many young people as possible and bring them in. The only encouraging thing I can say is um, we talked about this the other day, Doreen. Uh, if you go to CPAC, every year mm -hmm. the Conservative Political Action Committee is filled with way over 10,000 college-age students who have read Milton Friedman, who know Mark Levin and Rush Limbaugh and Sean Hannity uh, and Larry Kudlow and Steve Moore. Um, and these are the people who understand the importance of the kinds of issues we are grappling with and they will be our next generation of college professors around the country. Uh, the libertarians are furnishing them, young Americans for liberty, students for liberty, a young, conser mm -hmm. a young conservative ch uh, cha campus chapters. So mm -hmm. in, the, in the long term, that is the hope, but so much more has to get done. So many more people have to be uh, educated. Uh, let me ask you, is this similar to the Weimar Republic, what's happening today? Uh, the parallels are very, very striking. Of course, we don't have the runaway inflation that afflicted uh, the Weimar Republic because of the Versailles Treaty and the draconian reparations that were imposed on Germany, mainly by France, uh, but, but by all the signatories to the, uh, the treaty. Um, what is in common is that we have a growing government, government growth uh, proceeds, uh, and government um, regulation uh, of uh, our lives. It would just take a very serious crisis and an autocrat, a despot, um, 
like uh, Barack Obama is. I've long said he has the soul of a tyrant. I believe Hillary Clinton also has the soul of a tyrant. And it will be them to take advantage, as as Rahm Emanuel said, to take advantage of a crisis to explain why we have to uh, scrap the Constitution and create a full-blown welfare state for the benefit of the people. Um, So, yes, any economy that is um, uh, over-regulated, over-taxed, in um, economic straits, there is always the opportunity for the worst kind of people to acquire power and to do it so um, uh, clandestinely, to do it with lies and deceit and hypocrisy and double standards as long as they have the media on their side. Um, And so the danger is there, but I wouldn't overblow it because, as I said uh, in my um, essay, The Appearance of Patriotism, uh, Americans love this country. Americans love the liberty, their free way of life. They simply take their freedoms for granted and have no clue at present how the, the danger that lurks if we don't reverse direction. But I believe that once their backs are against the wall, people will wake up and say, oh, no, not in my country you don't. Don't you dare take away my gun. Don't you dare tell me what church I can worship in or, or what nuptials I have to serve uh, as a photographer or as a baker. Um, don't you dare tell the Sisters of Mercy that they have to provide abortion and contraceptive for everyone who works in, in a Catholic school. Uh, you know, uh, so, in other words, the worse things get, the better they could get, that people will wake up to the danger it represents. And as I always say, what the best support I have for this claim of mine is the results of 9-11. And living on the East Coast, living in New Jersey, so close to where the uh, trade towers were um, uh, leveled, where 3,000 people almost lost their lives, many having to jump from 90 stories up, um, uh, the next day, in the days after, there was American flags on every porch, every car antenna. There was such unity. And what that represents is people saying, if we don't feel safe, we can't feel free. And how dare you try to take my freedom away from me and my safety. Not in this country. And all the flags that flew and the unity we had, I think, expresses what is an undercurrent of patriotism, an undercurrent of love for our free lifestyles. And when that is really threatened by the left, uh, Americans may very well wake up. If Hillary Clinton wins this election on November 8th, then there is nothing more, there will be nothing more important than raising a grassroots Tea Party, Oath Keeper, uh, AFP movement to take control of the Senate and the House in the 2018 midterm elections and fill those seats with people who will stand up against Hillary Clinton and not let her get her uh, legislative way. Yeah. I I have a couple Jerome, I have a couple of questions for you. Um, mm-hmm. Number one, where do you see China 
playing in the economic um, economic war since they have united with Russia on on basically uh, attacking uh, the U.S. and the West. That's number one. Where do you see how how far can they go? Number two, I I put, don't know, but the Russian economy is not in very good shape, and actually the Chinese economy is also struggling in many ways. They did an enormous amount of overbuilding, overconstruction, and they have huge towers now, especially in Shanghai, where I've seen videos, where you look at one side of this tower, and you can look all the way through to the other side because there is not one single office, not one single store occupying any space. They've done a lot of overbuilding, first of all. Sure. Second of all, all we can do is have a very strong foreign policy and a very strong armed forces, an ability to project power to keep China away from make, forming more islands, in the, in the East China Sea and the South China Sea, uh, and to stop Russia from invading the Ukraine and who knows what other foremost socialist republics uh, that were part of the USSR. And if they know that we mean business and we are continuing our miniaturization of, of nuclear weapons, continuing developing and an anti-ballistic missile system, putting it in places like Poland and Czechoslovakia that desperately want it, and they see us pushing back on them, and it's only Donald Trump who will rebuild the military that will give us the resources to do that. That is the, only, that is the best chance we have of avoiding a future war. Weakness I, uh, is what something? invites war. Dad, Luther. Right now, we're at the nuclear threat is at, at death count three. Right now, uh, well, as of last week, nine eleven was death count two. Um, you know, Russia and Israel—they got places to put their people. We have nowhere. Obama, and you know, the people don't realize we got a we got a weather problem right now too uh, in space and possibly have a lot of problems come December 26th with comets hitting here. I mean, I don't know if a lot of people know what's going on with this uh, crisis here either, both these two crises. Well, I because put my money on Jupiter. Dad. Dad, 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 that anything that comes near our solar system basically is um, pulled right into the atmosphere of Jupiter. And um, that, that has saved us for thousands of years, saved the Earth. Um, but put it this I don't know what to do about that. That is way beyond my ken in terms of uh, um, uh, a galactic invasion from some natural forces of uh, meteorites um, or, or, or comets. Uh, we have more immediate problems uh, that we can resolve if enough Americans uh, become aware of the problems and what the solution to the problems are, and that's the only thing I could wrap my arms around, frankly. Uh, um, go ahead, Ruben. We have about six minutes left. Yeah, uh, the, other, the other question I had um, 
do you believe that um, the current bubble that that is basically brewing is the automobile uh, loan in the automobile industry where basically they're mimicking what happened with the the housing bubble where they gave a lot of loans to people that couldn't pay and that seems to Uh be happening. That seems to be happening in the automobile uh, industry. Well, uh, yeah, that that is one of the... um, areas where consumer debt is very large. I'm not sure if it's second or third, but add to that outstanding credit card loans could also be conceived as a bubble, and outstanding student loan debt, which um, uh, is a bubble. And either or all of those can burst, causing uh, horrendous, catastrophic uh, impact uh, on the economy um and i don't know which is worse if the economy picks up if a trump presidency really sends um a sigh of relief through the americans american uh economy and people are producers start um uh rebuilding making plans to expand production and everything creating more jobs more opportunity then there could be what they call a soft landing and we can avoid calamity uh, from those debts. And I don't think, well, I don't think I'm qualified to make the statement, but uh, as far as I can tell, I don't see anything similar to the housing bubble that Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, and the Federal Housing Authority blew up uh, over the years since Clinton's presidency, basically, in which... um, um, uh, uh, George Bush did nothing to curtail. It kept going and going because of the Community Development Act uh, right. and, acts of, and acts of Congress. Um, so I don't see anything that dramatic that would pose so dire a threat. But this, as I say, the auto loan debt, the student loan debt, and, and credit card debt generally, uh, if all of a sudden people start stop spending uh, or people are... Uh, paying more basic bills, and there are more defaults, and there still are thousands of defaults every year, um, then um, there could be a problem. Also, if Hillary Clinton wins, and she actually uh, does one of the few things uh, she promised to do on the campaign trail, namely not only offer free college tuition for any teenager who wants to go to school, but who also forgives student loan debts that are already accumulated, I don't know how, who pays the banks. I don't know what the banks do once they have to write off $1.3 trillion in student loan debts. Well, well, well I, I, I may be, I, I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe the government took over the student loan business. Yes, that's right. So uh, I think, I think uh, if that happened, it's the taxpayers that are on the hook. Right. Uh, excuse me. I, thank, thank you for the correction. Oh, put, put it this way. No, they took over. The federal government has taken over uh, issuing student loans. But how about all the student loans that were already issued before that takeover that are still held uh, by the banks? Yeah. I, I don't okay, hold on. Federal... Do, hold on, Ruben and Doc. We have a caller on the line. Uh, caller 495 nine. 
Al, is that you? Yes, it is. Okay, Dr. welcome Hiler. to the show. Do you want to Okay. No, I just want to um, say, Dr. Howard, it's a pleasure listening to you. Uh, you're going to be at our North Jersey Regional Tea Party next week. So Indeed, I will. Who, uh, people who want to uh, hear more from Dr. Heiler should turn out. And um, uh, that's in Wayne, New Jersey. But, um, yeah, we're looking to hear your, uh, what they call the uh, timely talk of Fate of the Nation uh, uh, that we can hear some of what you've been expounding more on what you're talking about tonight. So yeah, ha- uh, we haven't even touched the surface with my ideas of um, a quote unquote welfare reform, namely a grass <laughs> a grassroots rebellion right. against the welfare Amen principle. To that. That's a uh, a, whole, a whole other topic. But listen, on that score, and I know we don't have time, but I'll just say yeah. one thing uh, in an optimistic vein. Um, Welfare, in my view, consists of both the social welfare state and the corporate welfare state, also Mm -hmm. known as crony capitalism. And the good news is Donald Trump's entire campaign got off the ground attacking crony capitalism, the corporate welfare state, the establishment, what Ted Cruz very appropriately called the Washington cartel, and Mm -hmm. Bernie Sanders also mm-hmm. attacked as the millionaires and billionaires. Um, and so much of the country, from the left and the right of American politics, understands, appreciates the corruption and cronyism, and Americans are disgusted with it. So never mind um, attacking the entitlement state, which I believe there's every reason to do, but at least we can get underway enlisting Americans to form grassroots organizations to get rid of what I call the establishment state, the cronyism that goes on with the Department of Commerce, Department of Labor, Department of Agriculture, the farm subsidies and and everything. And uh, I am encouraged by Americans' disgust and their appreciation that corporate welfare is nothing but corruption writ large. Right. Um, Okay, folks, we are actually out of time. Um, and, uh, Doc, I would like to thank you for coming on our show, and we will have you back. Thank uh, you. Thank you. We appreciate it. Uh, thank yeah. you very much, and I'll see you, ne- uh, I'll see you next week in Wayne. And the next day I'm going to be at the Montgom- Montgomery Tea Party, and Doreen will be there. Oh, uh, yes. She is still able to get away. Uh, and I look forward to meet the good people of New Jersey. In 2014, uh, I spoke to maybe a dozen Tea Party groups all over the state and was very encouraged back then. That has to be reawakened, that spirit. Uh, yes, and can you also tell us your website? Um, well, best to go on Facebook. I do get... more work on, on Facebook, and that's just okay. uh, Jerome and he's Hyler. Also, yes, and his essays are also being posted on the studentsforbetterfuture.com website. So we can send the link out. I am very uh, happy about that. Yes, and once again, Doc, thank you for joining us. And he's also author of the book, Everything You Have, The Case Against Welfare, and also Lock in America. Uh And uh, my my, uh, Twitter handle is at H-U-Y-L-E-R-J-E. There are many, many, many uh, tweets that I have which are instructive, I think. Uh, okay, great. 
Um, and folks, we are out of time, uh, especially if you want to hear the rigging the election sent from James O'Keefe, which we'd, I'd like to play. Um, so uh, uh, for all of us, um, if you want to hang on and listen, hang on and listen in about 20 minutes. Um, and then we'll also see you on Thursday, 9 p.m., when we're here with Judge Reed Chambers, who are going to be discussing the polling and um, anything in, involved in the election. So thank you, and you can listen to the rigging the election by James O'Keefe. Hi. It doesn't Hi. matter what the freaking legal and ethics people say. We're, we need to win this motherfucker. Hillary like is aware of all the work that you guys do. I hope. The campaign is fully in. And then they tell Hillary like what's going on. Well, I mean Hillary knows who yeah. I'm not suggesting we wait around. We need to start this shit right away. Okay. On every one of these fronts. Okay. Well, I call this conflict engagement. <laughs> that's, that's, your, that's your version of reenfranchisement. Conflict engagement in, in the line at Trump rallies? No. We're starting anarchy here. This is part one of our undercover investigation into the dark, backroom dealings of the Hillary Clinton presidential campaign. The culmination of a year-long investigation infiltrating the machine from the bottom all the way to the White House. There are concerns this election will be rigged. What you're about to see will make you uncomfortable and angry. It's graphic, uncensored, and disturbing. Our attorney said there is strong evidence of criminality. And this is just part one. Is that a free union, guys? Don't do bad. Oh, yeah. You want. Yeah. They're rocking. So I'm uh, basically deputy rapid response director for the DNC for all things Trump on the ground. Nobody's really supposed to know about me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We have mentally ill people. Mm. We pay. Do shit. Make no mistake. I got a priest that cry on camera once. You know, Brad and Bob and Lux and myself are all part of the old school method where it doesn't matter what the freaking legal and ethics people say. We're, we need to win this motherfucker. Um, so Bob is really good friends with them mm-hmm. and talked to them this afternoon. And they are all in. If we can get 25 grand, they're all in. There is a narrative that supporters at Trump rallies are violent and dangerous, looking to beat up protesters who don't agree with them. But our undercover investigation into the Hillary Clinton Democratic Party machine reveals a very different story. If you're there and you're protesting and you do these actions, mm-hmm. you will be attacked at Trump rally. That's what we know. Oh, so, oh, oh, so that's part of the process of eliciting the reaction. The whole point okay. of it is we know that Trump's people will, will freak the fuck out, the security team will freak out, and his supporters will lose their shit. This is Scott Fovel. He is the National Field Director for Americans United for Change. He used to work for People for the American Way, an organization funded by George Soros. He also has his own company called the Fovel Group. He is one of the dark operatives for the Clinton campaign. We are contracted directly with the DNC and the campaign. Both. Yeah. I am contracted with him, mm-hmm. but my, I answer to the head of special events for the DNC mm-hmm. and the head of the special events and political for the campaign. The campaign. Pay DNC, DNC pays Democracy Partners, Democracy Partners pays the Fobel Group, the Fobel Group goes and executes the shit on the ground.
Democracy Partners is a private political consulting company with deep ties to Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama's White House, and the Democratic National Committee. We are the primary mechanism as a team. Democracy Partners is the, the trip to sphere up. Wherever Trump and Pence are going to be, we have a bench. Okay. And we have a whole team across the country that does that, both consultants and people from the Democratic Party and the Democratic Party apparatus and people from the uh, campaign, the Clinton campaign. Uh, and uh, you know, my role in the campaign is to manage all that. Bob Creamer is Democracy Partners. He is the husband of Jan Schakowsky, a Democratic congresswoman from Chicago, and in 2005 he pled guilty to tax violations and bank fraud. He was convicted and sentenced to five months in prison and 11 months of house arrest. He founded Democracy Partners in 2011. Just for a little orientation, uh, Democracy Partners is kind of a group practice of a variety of consultants that um, do essentially a wide variety of different kinds of I work with Bob Kramer one to one all the time. I'm the White Hat. He's democracy partner. Bob Kramer is diabolical. And I love him for it. Yeah. This investigation has revealed compelling evidence of a dark money conspiracy, a violation of federal campaign coordination laws between Hillary Clinton's campaign, Priorities USA, Hillary's Super PAC, and the Democratic National Committee. We have a quick deliverable that we have to deliver every day uh -huh. for our groups of clients who are involved in these projects. AUSC, uh, A4C, which is Alliance for uh, Change, um, Alliance for Retired Americans, which is part of AFL-CIO. Uh -huh. They're one of our partners on, on the AUSC stuff. Depends on the issue. And then there's, there's the DNC and the campaign. Uh -huh. And Priorities is a big part of it too. The campaign and DNC cannot coordinate with priorities, mm -hmm. but I guarantee you that the people who run the super PACs all talk to each other, and we and a few other people are the hub of that communication. Like, so you're kind of like um, intermediaries between the super PACs and the DNC. But they can't, the DNC, they can't talk to each other. Okay. But you guys are kind of like... We're consultants, so we're not the official entity. Mm -hmm. And so those conversations can be had between consultants who are working for different parts. Yeah. Okay. That's why there's, that's why there's Bob, who's the primary there, and I'm a sub to him, mm -hmm. and I'm also primary to AUFC separately. That's why. So there's like a Morse code between the DNC and... Super PAC. It's and you guys have a more so than it is a, a, text, a text conversation that never ends. It's like that. Uh -huh. It's kind of like, it's kinda like um, an ongoing Pony Express. Okay, so I mean, that's not as efficient as it could be, but that's because the, the law doesn't allow it. The thing that we have to watch is making sure there's a double blind between the actual campaign and the actual DNC and what we're doing. There's a double blind there. No, they can plausibly deny that they didn't do anything about it. Scott Fovel is Kramer's attack dog. Fovel and his people train the agitators to go to Trump rallies, and nothing is left to chance.
There's a script. Oh, there is a script. There's a script. Okay. There's a script of engagement. Sometimes the crazies bite, and sometimes the crazies don't bite. They're starting confrontations in the line, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? They're not starting confrontations in the rally, because once they're inside the rally, they're under Secret Service's control. When they're outside the rally... Mm -hmm. They're more affected out. They're harder to get in. The media will cover it no matter where it happens. I assume it's always in the rally. Initiating the conflict by having leading conversations with people who are naturally psychotic. Right. Okay, I mean, honestly, it is not hard to get some of these assholes to pop off. Right. It's, it's a matter of showing up to want to get into the rally in a Planned Parenthood t-shirt. Right. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, uh, Trump is a Nazi, you know, you can, you can message to draw them out mm -hmm. and draw them to punch you. Fovel boasts about the extent of his network of operatives. So here, you have a schedule of events. Mm -hmm. We update this on an ongoing, rolling basis every morning. Mm -hmm. Those are all the okay. Trump appearances. These are all the Trump and Pence appearances. Tomorrow, for instance, we are turning out 500 people mm -hmm. in front of the Trump International in D.C. We have to have people prepared to go wherever these events are, which means we have to have a central kind of agitator training. Yep. Now, we have a built-in group of people in New York who do this. Okay. We have a built-in group of people in D.C. who do this. I was going to say, are they, are they localized? We have a group of people in Vegas. We have a group of people in Colorado. We have a group of people in Minneapolis. So I'm basically deputy rapid response director for the DNC for all things Trump on the ground. This guy is Aaron Black full-time for Kramer at Democracy Partners. He directs the spontaneous protests at Trump and Pence events. His real name is actually Aaron Minter. We don't know why he uses the name Black. Nobody's really supposed to know about me. <laughs> so the Chicago protest, when they shut all that, that was us. It was more him than me, but none of okay. this is supposed to come back to us because we want it coming from people. We don't want it to come from the party. So if we do a protest and it's brown, oh, DNC protest, it's right away the press is going to say partisan. But if I'm in there coordinating with all the groups on the ground and sort of playing field general, but they're the ones talking to the cameras, it, it, then it's actually people. But if we send out press advisories with DNC on them and, and Clinton campaign, it just it doesn't have the same effect. We have to be really careful um, because... <laughs> because what we don't need is for it to show up on CNN that the DNC paid for X people to, that's not going to happen. Zulema Rodriguez and Aaron Black are bragging about a protest last March that turned extremely violent and led the Trump campaign to cancel a huge rally. Fights broke out between protesters and Trump supporters and two Chicago police officers were injured. Based on our reporting, the event was not spontaneous. We have a call with the campaign every day to go over the focuses that need to be undertaken. I just had a call with the campaign and the DNC. Every day. We met her at the Republican convention in Cleveland in July. Yeah, really? 
This Clinton dark machine is also prepared for the fallout from the violence they foment at the Trump rallies and other demonstrations. Because the one thing I'm never going to do is have some kid get punched out at a rally and then not have his doctor bill and his legal bill if he gets arrested pay for it. Ultimately, the whole endeavor is to get negative press of Trump and his supporters in local and national media. It's something that Bob and I obsess about. Is we're not going to go to an effort to just do an event and not have anybody show up or not have it covered. We have to get coverage. These guys have been doing their dirty tricks for some time, even before Trump won the nomination. So I, I probably know your work. I know yeah. you do. But was the, um, you mean like a situation where it, it's sort of like a... Remember uh, the Iowa State Fair thing where Scott Walker grabbed the sign um, out of the dude's hand? Uh -huh. And then the dude gets kind of roughed up right in front of the stage, right? Yeah. On camera? Yeah. That was all up. The guy who got roughed up, up yeah. is, is my counterpart who works for Bob. And that, and, and that was like... Like a storyboarded that him getting roughed up or whatever. Or scenario. Uh huh. And it and you so you like lent yourself to that situation and it happened. We not it was only a self-fulfilling prophecy. We planted multiple people in that front area around him and in the back to make sure there wasn't just a action that happened up front. There was also a reaction that happened out back. Remember this woman? Her name is Shirley Teeter. She is a 69-year-old sufferer of COPD. According to numerous news stories at the time, she was assaulted at a Trump rally in North Carolina by Trump supporter Richard Campbell. The media played her story across the country for days. She was one of our activists. She was one of your activists. Who had been, who had been trained up to bird dogs. Yes. So the term bird dogging, you put people in the line mm -hmm at the front, which means they have to get there at 6 o'clock in the morning because mm -hmm. they're getting the front mm -hmm. of the rally so that when Trump comes down the rope line, they're the ones asking him the question in front of the reporters mm -hmm. because they're pre-placed there. To funnel that kind of operation, you have to start back with people two weeks ahead of time and train them how to ask questions. Right. You have to train them to bird dogs. Mm. Got to think. We have mentally ill people mm. that we pay to do shit, make no mistakes. Over the last 20 years, I've paid <laughs> off a few homeless guys to do some crazy stuff, and I've also taken them for dinner, and I've also made uh -huh. sure they had a hotel and a, and a shower, and I've put them in a program. Mm -hmm. Like I've done that, but the the reality is, a lot of, in, especially in in our union guys. A lot of free union guys, they'll do whatever oh, yeah. you want. Yeah. They're rock and roll. Level when up. I need to get something done in Arkansas, mm -hmm. right. the first guy I call is the head of the AFL-CIO down there uh -huh. because he will say, what do you need? And I will say, I need a guy who will do this and this, and they find that guy. And that guy will be like, yeah, hell, let's do it. Bird dogging. Bird dogging. It's a word we had not heard until we got into this investigation. But when we checked the WikiLeaks Clinton emails, we found references to the term in emails to and from the campaign. This is a chain where Clinton campaign manager Robbie Mook suggests it might be a tactic to employ to shore up support with Hispanic voters. After our report, they may also need some help with the people in Iowa and Wisconsin. So I, I have to be really honest. Iowa 
is a difficult case because it's a 50-50 state, and honestly, half the state is racist as fuck. Mm. I, I came home last night and really just, I was upset because that's not the way I was raised, and that's not the Iowa that I grew up in, but you kind of have to accept that that's the way it is. No. It's not who you are, but that's what the state is. Right. Wisconsin is just as bad. Okay. I'm Hillary Clinton, and I approve this message. Corruption. As you can see, it's alive and well in our country, and you're paying for it. As we continue to release more videos, you must hold the mainstream media to account to further investigate what we've uncovered. America, our war is here. We must decide if we're going to save this country or lose it. To quote Abraham Lincoln, America will never be destroyed from the outside. If we falter or lose our freedoms, it will be because we destroyed ourselves.